Good morning. It is a real privilege to be here with you. Uh, as I came here early this morning, I had the chance just to walk through and uh, remind myself of what it was like to be at the church down on 11th Street, come and see the first stage of this being built. And as I walked into the gym where those chairs were set up every Sunday, what great memories came back. Uh, I, I want to just say thank you to you as a congregation. One is thank you for investing in the lives of young people. You don't know how God will use somebody, and particularly a young person. And I remember being here from 12 to 16. Wow, junior high age. Wow, that can't be a better age than to be in church. But yet, what a tough, what a tough age group to be investing in, because of the unpredictability and the nature of young people. But thank you for investing, because God has good purposes. I also want to say thank you for investing in the global work of the Alliance around the world. Our family has been recipients of your giving to the Great Commission Fund as we served for those 24 years overseas. We were sent, we were sustained because of your faithful giving. And may you just receive this appreciation for the investment that you have made and the opportunities for the gospel to go forward. I um, want to introduce uh, my family to you. Um, Marsha is here as well as Michelle. And um, Marsha and I, we've been married over 35 years. Next. And uh, you can see just our kids. Uh, Lindsay is our oldest. She's 30. She lives in Redding, California. Michelle just returned to the U.S., completing her third uh, teaching contract in Asia this past June. And Jordan is a senior at Penn State at University Park. It has been a joy serving the Lord as a family. And it has been exciting in the opportunities the Lord has given us. Um, where the Lord has had us for these many years, next slide, is in the country of Indonesia. And uh, as you will notice, this is an island nation, 19,000 islands. Next slide. And the distance of this country spans about the distance of the United States. Indonesia, by population, is the fourth most populated nation in the world. The language that Marcia and I and Michelle are fluent in, even though it's spoken by more than a quarter of the world's population, or by country size, none of us here probably speak it. It's an incredible language. The other thing about Indonesia, next slide, is that it is a country that has the largest number of active volcanoes in the world. In fact, Indonesia is often referred to as a ring of fire because of all the volcanic activity that happens there. If you're following the news, even on the island of Bali, many have evacuated that island because of the great mountain being ready just to... Um, erupt even as we gather next. Let's go to the next one. When I was 
in the process of the uh, district superintendent selection. Uh, in that process, there was a number of interviews that happened, and one of the questions that was asked was, what were a couple of those life experiences that shaped who you are? I want to share one of those with you this morning. It's actually an event that happened on Boxer Day, that's for our Canadians, uh, December 26th, 2004. There was a 9.2 earthquake that happened off the west coast of the island of Sumatra. Next slide. That earthquake was then followed by a tsunami. Now, for those of us that don't live in earthquake-prone areas or tsunami-prone areas, if you can imagine a wall of water the height of a coconut tree coming inland at 500 miles an hour, that will give you an idea of the power. Nothing stands in its way. This is a city that was a place of millions of people. And you can tell what the earthquake did not destroy when that tsunami wave came in. Next slide. It destroyed everything. This is a village, 10,000 people completely wiped away because of that. Next slide. In some places, that wave of water, when it came in, it went interior 12 kilometers. So great was its force. It also went the other direction. It went clear to the eastern shores of Africa. It hit Sri Lanka, Thailand. So powerful was that event. Next slide. What is interesting about where this happened, next slide, is that this was a part of the country where although the alliance had been ministering for 76 years, we had never had gospel presence here. Next slide. And as um, aid was given from various countries, thank you, Alliance Church. The Alliance Church gave millions to this relief effort that happened. Next slide. Um, let's go to the next one. Um, there was a mobilization of people who were able to share the love of Jesus Christ. It was an amazing opportunity. Next. And uh, as people responded, both alliance workers and other workers from around the world, as well as our uh, Indonesian Alliance Church was also mobilized, it was an amazing opportunity to represent Jesus Christ. Next slide. Uh, MAF was also a partner in this, uh, in the distribution of food. When this plane landed, they were giving food to people that hadn't anything in four days. So when we talk about relief, relief is that an onset of aid distribution when it's life or death. So you are helping people simply to live when you're in a relief stage of a disaster. But relief is short term. Relief never goes very long. Next slide. That is only a few weeks or a few months depending on the disaster. In this case, with the earthquake and tsunami, it claimed a quarter of a million lives. Next slide. So great was the disaster, it was unprecedented in terms of how do, the, how do you deal with that? 
And because of the loss of life, there was even just that improper burial of people to prevent even another set of disease that would go forward because of so many victims that had died. That heavy machinery was brought in and simply that the um, bodies were put into either large holes or parts of the city was simply bulldozed together and lit a fire. Next slide. Next slide. Let's go to the next couple. In that, there were so many things that were learned in the distribution of that. The participation in providing clean water and helping people get their livelihood back on. We discovered that people were fishermen. And so the Lord had put his calling on one of our alliance workers who in Alaska, he was a fisherman and built boats. And the Lord placed him there and helped lead a number of villagers to rebuild their boats so that they could start back with their livelihood. Next slide. The Alliance also gave money and built an ice house so that the harvest from the fishermen had a place to put the fish before it would go on to market. Next. The Lord again brought people from all over in responding to this disaster. Next slide. There were people that came from uh, our Lions churches in eastern Indonesia. That'd be like from L.A. coming to New York. Next slide. There was also a young couple that the Lord moved on them as singles. This couple here, um, the uh, Lord brought the young girl, Lois, and uh, her then husband. They both came as singles. The Lord led them. Uh, we need to have a part in responding to what happened. While they were there, they met each other, they fell in love, and they got married. A year after this picture was taken, I was back there and uh, was able to see their little baby that they had. And it was exciting to see how young people who followed what God was leading them in their life, how they brought even greater fulfillment and brought them together. Three weeks, though, after I was with them, I received the word from Lois that her husband was killed in an accident. He was on a motorcycle and a truck came around a curve and he was killed instantly. It is culturally correct for an accident like that for her to go back to her village, to her family where she was from. But actually, she asked if her family would come and live with her because she said, God has done something in me and this is where he wants me to stay. And so Lois stayed there as a young widow, as a single mom, raising her child, continuing to represent Jesus Christ to these people. I want to read a passage of scripture this morning for us to put a context to our thoughts. If you have your Bibles or your gadget with you, could you open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9? I want to read from the New International Version, beginning at verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law 
though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am free, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I have become weak. I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Before we go on, let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We acknowledge your presence with us. You are here. You are our king. You have no rival. We have sung that you have no equal. You are in our midst. And we are your people. Holy Spirit, we willingly yield ourselves to you. And we ask that you would, through your word, accomplish your purposes in us and through us for your honor and for your glory. We bless you, Jesus, in this, in your mighty name, we ask these things. Amen. This tsunami that followed the earthquake, there were a number of lessons that came out of that event, and it has transformed how I see things. And the first is, is that in the providence of God, there are windows of opportunity. There are windows of opportunity that are for a point in time And if we are ready, we can take advantage of those opportunities for the sake of the gospel. As I said earlier, Robert Jaffrey, he was an Alliance missionary from Canada. He was working in China. But the Lord moved in Jaffrey. He just saw things so great. He saw the great needs of the people for their need for Jesus Christ. Jaffrey left China and he went and he strengthened the work in um, the Philippines. He began the work in Vietnam. And he also began the alliance work in, at that time, it was the Dutch East Indies, which is now present day Indonesia. But over those years, when Jaffrey first came in 1928, until that tsunami in 2004, all that time, here was an area where for the Alliance, we never had an opportunity to bear testimony of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, when I talk about windows of opportunity, let me give you just a little bit broader picture. 
because this is being recorded, I'm not going to mention the specific people groups, but I want to give you some perspectives of the people groups that were impacted by this tsunami. One people group, four million people. We know of about 700 believers in that group. Another people group, nine and a half million people. We know about 480 believers there. Another people group, 1.2 million, 65 believers. Another people group, 5.5 million. Another people group, 2.3 million. So when we talk about windows of opportunity, millions of people had not heard of the good news of Jesus Christ. So how do you how do you take advantage of that opportunity? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, I have become all things so that I can reach all peoples. He references, he says to those Jews, I became a Jew. Paul was Jewish in his ethnicity. He was also Jewish in his religious background. He also had certain languages that he spoke, Aramaic and Hebrew. He had cultural values in terms of the way he dressed, the food that he could eat, the food he could not eat. When Paul would go into a place, he would go to the synagogue and take advantage of who he was to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. He also says in 1 Corinthians that he went to those not having the law. He went to those that did not know the Torah. He went to those that didn't have that religious, that Jewish background of his. And he's talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about the non-Jew. And he said, I became like them. He didn't say, I became a Gentile. He would have no credibility. People knew he was Jewish. But he said, I will become like for the sake of reaching. When I think of the opportunities, when I think of those windows of opportunities, we always encounter obstacles in moving forward in those opportunities. So when aid was coming in from around the world, there was over 140 aid and country groups that were involved with giving relief at this disaster. And yet, there were endless headaches related to how can the aid be distributed. Because all of a sudden, 140 countries, people came there and they said, I can't speak the language. We don't know how to do this. I mean, we've got aid, but how do we get it to those in need? We don't know where they're at. Who really needs it? Who doesn't? Our alliance workers were on site. Our people from 
the Alliance National Church in Indonesia were there. They knew language. They knew culture. They had begun to build relationships. The stories are endless to how the Lord worked. There was one, um, one of our workers was there who actually uh, was from the far eastern island in the country. And one of the military generals, this one of our workers, saw his name. And it was a very unique name. You can tell by somebody's name where they're from in the country. And when he saw that, he knew that he was from his island. And he actually went up and spoke in that general's local language, his birth language, because everybody can speak Indonesian. Most people there can speak two or three or four languages because they've learned other languages. 300 languages are actually spoken in Indonesian. Indonesia. And when that guy said, whoa, what is this Caucasian guy speaking my birth language? Not the country language. A relationship was built and doors of opportunity were opened up because of that. Paul said, I've become all things for what purpose? So that some might be saved. Here's a verse that is difficult in this text, though. In verse 22, Paul said to the weak, I have become weak. To win the weak. By all means possible, I might save some. I don't know about you, but I don't like weakness. Culturally, we don't value weakness. Culturally, we value strength. We value energy. We value knowledge. We value ability. Why does Paul say here, to the weak, I became weak? Well, in the context of this, he's also talking about people. There was a broader context he was talking to here of um, the church was struggling with. How do we deal with this issue of food that was sacrificed to idols? And how do we conduct ourselves when a certain action can be offensive to somebody else? Does my freedom, does my freedom give me the ability to, to do what's offensive to a brother if I know it's offending him? Paul says no. Paul says that's an abuse of freedom. But when you share the good news of Jesus Christ, have you ever related this issue of weakness to that? Have you ever found that it's seemingly easier to share the gospel to somebody that's younger than you? Or do you find that it's easier to share the gospel with somebody that's not as well off as you? Or quite a bit different from the way you are? One of the challenges that we have within not only Western culture, 
but also within church culture is the issue of power. And it is much easier to invite somebody to come to your house when you have lots. It seems to be a lot easier to invite somebody to your house when you have a beautiful home. Well, because you've made it. It looks good. Constantine, back in the 300s, when he conquered Rome, he took Christianity, he took Christianity out of the shadows, and he made it the national or the state or the empire religion. And he took this faith of people who were fearing from their from the persecution of Nero to now they have power and position. They have wealth. They're involved in politics. And now and from that time until today the Christian faith has had a wrestle with power. Why does Paul, in this context, and when we're talking about windows of opportunity, when we're talking about as many as possible to get the gospel, why doesn't he build on his strengths? Why doesn't he build on his education? Why doesn't he build on what he can do? He, he says, though, I become weak. So why? How does weakness open up doors of opportunity? I think what Paul is addressing is he's addressing this issue. If we are going to be image bearers of Jesus, we have to bear the complete image of of Jesus. And Philippians tells us in chapter 2 that the Son and the Father, they were one. But the Son, with all that he had, he did not consider it something he's going to grasp. But he humbled himself and he took on the form of a servant. Jesus said in John, he said to his disciples, he said, as the Father sent me, just like the Father sent me, so also am I sending you. And there's that connection. When he sent out the disciples, he said, don't pull that wagon behind you. He said, but take a cloak, take your purse, take your bag, take your staff, and go. I remember hearing a message on that by Dr. Arnold Cook as we were getting ready to go overseas. And he said, travel light. Don't take a lot of things. And that was back in the days when international workers, we all 
packed up great big outfits and we, we shipped crates and barrels overseas. But one guy by the name of Kenneth Bailey, he makes this point about that text. He said, Jesus was sending people out so that they go in need of those they are seeking to serve. To the weak, I became weak. Jesus said, if the door is open, stay there. Paul is trying to say that these windows of opportunities that happen, be it a disaster, be it the opportunity to preach the gospel in whatever context, do it with the skill, do it with the ability to learn, to be able to even learn from those that you're trying to reach. When we went there, we realized that we were trying to reach a people group that we couldn't speak their language. We didn't understand how they... Uh, the values that they had. We didn't know what community meant. We didn't know how they raised their kids. They, we didn't know how, what were the values with a husband and a wife. And so all those on our team, we lived with a Indonesian family between a month to six months as learners. So that... We can share the gospel. Building relationships and friendships. Because out of those, re out of those relationships can flow the wonderful message of Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 23, Paul says, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessing. The ASV and NASEB translate it this way, that I may be a joint partaker in the gospel. I may be a partner in the gospel. Second Timothy tells us that the gospel is not chained. The gospel is going forth. And so even as we look at how do we cross these bridges in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom. The Holy Spirit will lead us in that. Somebody said one time that hardship is the greatest antagonist. And when we think about Paul saying to the weak I became weak. We don't know where that self-emptying is going to lead us. We don't know the pathway that God will take us down. That young couple, all they saw was Jesus led them to take advantage, to live amongst the people that hadn't heard the good news of Jesus, and they went when she married her husband, when they had that child, there was great hope. She did not know that. 
I met with one time a group of pastors. They were on, uh, they were all pastors from one island. On that island, it was primarily those from uh, a non-Christian faith. One day, a religious leader came to that island and gathered all of these people out in a field. Now in the tropics, it's hot. It was 100 degrees. The sun was coming down hard. As he started this message, these people were just sitting out in the field. There was no water given. There wasn't any food. So as time went on, there was this physical agitation that started to build up. Well, soon that message started to go in the direction of Christians are no good. And we need to rid the island of those that are following this faith. In this agitated state, that group at the end of this gathering, they got up and in a mob mentality, they went throughout the city and they destroyed every Alliance church that was there. And they burned down buildings. And the next day, where there was still some cement standing, they came back with sledgehammers to knock those walls down. These were the pastors and their wives that had come to this retreat on another island. It was the first time they'd gathered collectively since this event had happened. And so for three days, we went back and said, okay, tell the story. And they told the story about how one pastor locked his wife and his kids in the bathroom and said, don't you come out no matter what. They didn't know what happened to their dad and husband. The dad didn't know what happened to families. These stories just one after another, tears are flowing, a lot of emotion gathering around these servants of God just to pray for them. It was one of the most humbling experiences I've had as an international worker. But you know, at the end of that three-day retreat, every one of those pastors and wives, they got back on a boat and they went back to that same island. And we start over. And we continue on. Paul said... I've become all things. And we don't know where that's going to take us in these opportunities. I remember going to the funeral of Beth Kamphausen. One of our single women who died and was buried there. We don't know where leaning into the opportunities that God has us will take us. Robert Jaffrey, who came and opened up three countries for the alliance with the gospel, he himself was out on a bit of a, bit of a break, bit of a vacation when World War II was starting. And um, 
as he heard rumors of the invasion that was happening since, because when Pearl Harbor was bombed, within three months, all of Southeast Asia was under the control of the Japanese. And he said, while away, I know this war is here, but I've got to go back. Because if war is declared, I won't get back. Robert Jaffrey, he died in an internment camp just a few months before the end of the war. In fact, there was a number of Alliance International workers that gave their lives during that time. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus said, I lay down my life. No one takes it from me. Jesus says, I'm sending you now. Paul said, to the weak, I became weak. Dying to self. So that Christ's power in us flows through us to a world that needs Jesus Christ. May he give you wisdom with the windows of opportunity that you have. May he give you boldness to push through those awkward moments when you are building and forming relationships. May God fill your spirit with a love and acceptance of that which is quite a bit different from who you are yourself. Because we're a sent people. We're a sent people. So that many will come to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray.